It's Andrea. I just want to quickly welcome any new listeners who just found our show from the longest, shortest time. You and I are both huge fans of that podcast and of Hillary Frank. We share this. And today's episode, you should know, is part of a two-part series. It's all about the dating app Bumble. So go back one episode if you want to hear the full story. I'm glad you're here. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. The following podcast contains explicit language. Previously on YOY. There's a noticeable difference in how attractive the girls are on Bumble versus other apps. The thing is, on Bumble, all the men are super attractive. They're all, like, supermodel-quality girls. I've heard guys say they go on Bumble because the girls are hotter on Bumble. Felt like a, a PR, like, package or something like that. Bumble is at Coachella this week, where they've created what they call Winter Bumble Land in the desert. In their Instagram stories, you can see them taking selfies inside of an igloo. There's fake snow, a log cabin DJ booth, and a real ice luge. (laughs) And then there are the parties, with not one, but two Kardashians. They have Kendall Jenner, who was recently in a Pepsi commercial that trivialized Black Lives Matter, and Kylie Jenner, who's here to share this fascinating story about Bumble. Um, I was getting my nails done last week with my new nail tech, and I told her I was coming to the Bumble event this weekend, and she met her future husband on Bumble, and they're getting married next week, so I thought that was kind of a cute story. And to meet someone in my personal life that is actually getting married next week from Bumble is kind of crazy. Wow, that's so crazy. In videos like these, I'm reminded over and over again that Bumble and I probably wouldn't have been friends in high school. They're like the cool girls, and I'm a normal. Which is basically how I feel every time I open their app. And I'm not the only one. My name is Ronald Adolph. I am a technical author, teach people how to code. Reynolds 45 and lives in L.A. He's dating. And he also does stand-up comedy. I can't stand when, like, someone refuses, like, to put their picture up. But you know what's even more annoying? It's like when they do put a picture up, but it's like a picture of them, like, 600 feet away. (laughs) Behind a tree or something. (laughs) I told him about this Bumble series and just how much hesitation I've been feeling. It feels weird to criticize a feminist dating app just because the guys are too hot. 
Yeah, I don't think you sound uh, bitter at all. I think you kind of you sound like you have like a healthy attitude towards everything. You don't really sound. I've come across bitter people, and it's like they they complain and they don't smile. Like I've been on some dates where they're just venting from anger from previous dates, and I'm just like, um, how about this nice tree over here? Isn't that lovely? Let's think of, let's think of something positive. Next week on the show cherry blossoms like when you go on dates do you complain about ex-boyfriends and make that the focus of the conversation no but i do it on my podcast every week so that's, that's a, whole a podcast other thing. that's good for a podcast people will enjoy that and they're like yes i relate i understand that frustration i wouldn't be talking about my frustrations with bumble if it didn't really bug me personally online dating burnout is a real problem And with Bumble, I feel like they're wasting my time when I have to swipe past those model good-looking guys, waiting to find my fellow sevens, my eights. Randall noticed this too. All the few first, like maybe 20 or 30 profiles were hot, just to be frank. (laughs) And then after that, it just starts becoming more realistic. I mean, I'm not saying like, there's like ugly people at the end or anything, but it's just like more realistic in terms of average looking people. Some people have told me that this change happens after the first five swipes. Some say it's after the first 10 or even 20. But if those hotties on Bumble aren't fake accounts, if they're not bots, who are they? Is there a casting call? And how do we get on that list? It's a popularity contest, basically. (laughs) They show you who's the most popular, and that's what it feels like. If for some reason that's not the case, it sure as hell feels like that. And because racism is real, this might be why Bumble is often described as noticeably whiter than other apps. And so it's almost as if, like, the rich get richer type of uh, syndrome happens. And so... The ones that get so many matches, they won't respond to as many. Now, Bumble still has a lot in common with her older, more normative ex-boyfriend, Tinder. And she might have this in common, too. Tinder has an internal rating for all of its users. They call it your ELO score. And this number is made up of thousands and thousands of data points that they know about you. Probably basic stuff about how many people right swipe when they see you how long it takes them, how many of your photos they flip through, how many people respond when you send a message. Things only they know. And then this number is used to reflect your desirability on the app. And this number might also determine the order that you're shown to people, with the best numbers seeing the most eyeballs and the worst numbers seeing the fewest. There's just something that feels morally wrong about it. You know, you're judging and putting the prettiest people up front. And in life, we kind of do that in other ways, you know, on at fancy bars, they'll have hot bartenders. You'll you'll notice that. And you'll, okay, people don't really complain because no one who complains about seeing attractive people on television. That's how it is. But for there's something f- that feels wrong when it's on a dating app where that's happening. You know what I mean? There's a post on a bodybuilder forum. It's titled, Bumble app is broken, fellas. Just thought you should know. The first post begins, I've had it for a week now and only five matches and two messages. Something must be wrong with the algorithm. Then a user by the name of Anna Bra 
He writes, real life is broken also, guys. To which the Wolverine replies, LOL, I've laid like five times more girls from Tinder than real life. I also spent some time on Reddit. There's a thread called, hey dudes, is Bumble working for you? Dirty Projector writes, the thing that concerns me is that I log in and the first 20 to 50 profiles are girls that are tens. Not a few tens, but literally 50 supermodels. One of the guys agrees. He says, it's like 10 after 10, then some fours. Something's fishy here. And you could argue here that the internet dudes are grunting because the beautiful women of Bumble don't want to date them. They're going crazy because they feel impotent in a feminist dating space. And wouldn't that be delicious? Except I feel that same rage, specifically with this one guy. His name's Mike. I know, it's a common name. It's the same name as my brother, my old boss, my ex-boyfriend. I try to avoid bringing mics into my life, generally. But the first time I saw this mic, I had to swipe right. He has a great job, a really funny bio, and I like his look. He's wearing this tight-fitting gray t-shirt, sitting on a balcony at sunset. He has this haircut like all the guys on The Bachelor from JoJo's season. I've texted his photo to a few of my friends. One described him as looking like Captain America. Someone else said he looks like John Hamm or Michael Phelps, but hotter. He's just memorably good-looking, to the point where every time I saw him on Bumble, I was like, do I know this guy? Did we go to, like, college together? I swiped right, over and over again. Still, no word from Mike. And because he's one of the popular kids on Bumble, he's probably overwhelmed with matches from women like me, women who keep showing up on Bumble, hoping to see his face one more time. So I did ask Bumble how their ranking algorithm works, that thing that keeps sending me those perfect 10 guys at the very beginning. In an email, they told me, We can't speak to a specific ranking algorithm. Bumble's designed to let users' unique preferences and geographic location dictate who they match with. And that's right. Bumble asks us to input what we're looking for in terms of age and in terms of how many miles away from you. But the rest of what they do, we can only speculate on with the help of experts. I'm Chris Belinsky. I'm a data scientist at AT AT&T. Famously, 10 years ago, he was part of the team that won the $1 million Netflix prize for solving the recommender system, the thing that tells you what movies you might like. This was back when we were all getting our DVDs by mail, and streaming was very, very new. The competition was organized in such a way that you would submit your predictions and they would tell you right away how, how good they were, what your error was, because they knew the real answer. And so it was like mm-hmm. this real, it was like this game. And, and then there was a leaderboard. You knew exactly what place you were in and you could try and, all right, I'm in the top 50 now. I want to get to the top 30. The competition actually took about three years uh, before, before anyone reached the, the, the goal that they had set for the prize. And it's possible that some of his ideas are still being used by them 10 years later. I don't know for sure, because um, 
going to work there. But um, I, I do believe that we kind of did some novel things that are incorporated in their in their system. But, you know, they've got other things as well. So I can't really blame you for for me watching Gilmore Girls that night. <laughs> you can thank me for you watching Gilmore Girls that night. think John Oliver would find me hot. And that's what these systems do when they're working best. No? They know me better than I know me. And wouldn't it be great if a dating app could do that too? When recommender systems work well is when you have a lot of data, right? So the reason you can go to one of the Netflix or Amazon and get a really good recommendation for a movie is because you've already rated or searched for or gotten information about probably hundreds of movies. And each of those movies has information from maybe millions of other people. And so in that situation, when you have really, really rich data, you can build these models that connect you with someone who's similar to you and the movies that you like are going to be similar to the movies they like. Where that breaks down is when there's someone new to the system that you don't have data about. So if I were running one of these recommender systems, Let's just talk about movies for now. If somebody's new and comes and I know nothing about them, what am I going to recommend to them? Well, I'm going to recommend to them something really popular. In the technical world, this is called the cold start problem. It's a cold start because you don't know anything about the person. And so when you have a cold start scenario, you recommend the most popular stuff. You're going to recommend Game of Thrones. You're going to recommend Harry Potter because they're, they're likely to like those things. And you want a new user, when they're first interacting with your system, to be exposed to things that they're going to like, right? And the best chance you have of giving them something they're going to like is something popular. And for most of us, we want to spend more time online dating cold instead of warm. You want to meet that person, give them a shot, delete the app, never come back. I don't want Bumble to know me as well as Netflix does. When I asked Bumble about those first attractive users, they wrote that new users will always see the most swiped profiles in their location. But again, that's based on their unique preferences as well. As you start swiping and demonstrating preference, we start learning and begin sharing people relevant to what you as an individual are looking for. So it's not a secret. They're going to start off by recommending Game of Thrones until they know me well enough to recommend Gilmore Girls. The problem is you've got to kind of get off that at some point because... You know, the user is going to like those first few people, but they're never going to get connected with them because everybody likes them. So eventually, at some point, you've got to get off this popularity bandwagon and you've got to give people, expose people to real items and real people that are kind of further down the popularity list. And you have, you know, maybe a much higher probability of swiping left on them instead of swiping right. And it seems like Maybe Bumble just isn't calibrated properly and they just spend too long in that initial phase of popularity and haven't quite gotten down to the part where they feel like they're out of the cold start. And if a lot of people are feeling like they just never got out of this this popularity range, they need to recalibrate their algorithms to present the real people quicker. But isn't there a marketing incentive not to modify the algorithm because These users with the highest attractiveness rating give an impression in the beginning that Bumble is for hotter people, that you're going to have access to these good-looking people. 
And then there was an effect on me when this started happening, because traditionally with Tinder, when someone has swiped right on you, indicated that they like you, they show up early in your results. So between your uses of Tinder, the guys who are immediately in those top cards are the ones that you know like you. So I would open Bumble and I'd be like, oh, my God, he likes me with the memory of how Tinder works. And it would cause this endorphin rush that Mike likes me. <laughs> when, but at the end of the day, the first 10 guys never matched back because they were they felt like marketing for Bumble. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's the balance that they have, right? They know the endorphin rush is good, right? It's good for how you feel about the product. But then ultimately, you're going to be let down. And so that they, they have to balance that. And it seems like they have to balance it better than they're currently balancing it. Do you think that there could be a testing element of the first cards I'm discovering? Um, testing in what sense? Like, are they trying to figure out if I'm interested in tech bros versus outdoorsy guys? Because that information is in those swiping decisions from me. Well, that's what they should be doing, right? So if you want to do one of these recommender systems well, what you want to do, I mean, the goal is to get as clear a view of your user with as few swipes as possible, right? So I want to learn about you as quickly as possible so that I can match you with somebody, right? Because when I logged into Bumble, it didn't really ask me much about myself. I could see people very quickly without really filling out a profile. If I wanted to do this really well, I would present a new user, maybe the first few you make sure are popular so they feel good, right? (laughs) Um, But then you want to present them with a, you want to, the phrase we use is you want to inject diversity into the, the recommendations, right? And diversity is meant in the traditional sense, but it's also just meant in the sense of across all of the variables that you collect. So outdoorsy versus bookish versus geeky, you know, quiet versus loud, all those variables, you want to try and present a diversity so that you can learn how somebody feels across all of these different attributes. If you're doing it on movies, what you want to present to people really early on are the controversial movies, Not the ones that have a mediocre rating, but the ones that have a mediocre average rating. But there's a lot of people who feel really strongly about it that it's good. And there's a lot of people who feel very strongly about it that it's bad. Those are the ones you want to get in front of people because understanding how people feel about the controversial items or how you really learn a lot about them. So someone needs to come up with what the Napoleon Dynamite of online dating profiles would be. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You must have read up on the Netflix Prize because that was the movie that was caused the the most trouble in trying to recommend because people really did feel very passionately one way or the other about that movie. And so I I assume that there are Napoleon Dynamites out there in the dating apps that they could take advantage of to really hone in on what people's preferences are and then really match them to that, you know, liberal arts, outdoorsy person that they're looking for. So maybe Mike is like seeing Game of Thrones. He's popular. But he might also be my Napoleon Dynamite, a Bumble tool to learn more about me. I mean, why else would I keep seeing him, even though I right-swiped on him over and over again? And that's how I started telling Chris about Mike. And he's sitting outside in a T-shirt, and his muscles are, like, <laughs> bulging through the T-shirt. And, and then his bio is just must-love sloths. So I started to see Mike so often that I felt like, I like have I met him? And if the user's appearing to me so frequently, 
that I'm starting to build a relationship with that card. I think there's really something wrong with the app is how I was feeling. And also, I was consistently swiping right on him. So I kind of I felt like I'd given Bumble the information that they needed. They should know that I like Mike, that Mike's totally my type. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, I again, I don't have a lot of experience with these dating apps, but it seems like that's a bad user design experience. Whether it's somebody you like or somebody you didn't like, the fact that you would get repeatedly shown that person, you know, seems like it's a bad design decision. So it's not even necessarily the, the algorithm. It's that they should put in that rule that, you know, okay, we got the information about it. We know she likes Mike. She's into Mike. So let's just kind of keep that, you know, your card goes in, into the pile somewhere and they have that information and there's no need to send it again because there's a cost with sending it again that the user's going to get annoyed. And every time you annoy the user a little bit, you know, there's dozens of other dating apps they can go to. So every time you annoy that user, they're more likely to go somewhere else. And the other thought is that for Mike and his experience, you know, now if this is happening to me, imagine how many other women this is happening for. He doesn't want to develop a notoriety for this. He doesn't want someone reverse image looking him up on Google like I might have done today. Um, and figuring out his actual name and what he does. So, and oh, sending did you, him. A, did you find him? I did. For a second, Google's search results were like, "Are you looking for the word muscles?" And I was like, "No, no, no, Google. I'm looking for the name Mike." And then it sent me right to his LinkedIn profile. Oh, so he is a real person. Huh? Maybe I should get in touch with him later on in this episode. So now that we're finally understanding the formula for Hotter on Bumble, we should know that at any moment, it might change. Here's Chris again. A a good data science company will constantly be trying new things, right? So you do, um, you know, what they call A-B testing. So they they take a small percentage of their user base and they change their algorithm a little bit. And then they see how they respond and what the result is. And then use that as knowledge in order to, you know, make the more major changes when they have releases. So, um, you know, it would benefit them to be constantly analyzing this data and constantly trying to to improve the algorithm. So there are so many reasons why I might be seeing Mike over and over again. One, it might be a bug in the app. The other is that we could be part of an A-B test where they're improving on the algorithm. Or maybe he's just marketing. And who knows? I mean... Maybe he doesn't even know he's on the app. There's only one way to find out. We'll be right back after a quick break. This is Mike. Hey! Stay with us. Is this Mike from Bumble? Uh, yes, this is Mike from Bumble. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, we're back, and I am on the phone with Captain America slash John Hamm slash Michael Phelps, but hotter. And just listen to how high-pitched I am. 
I'm terrified. Okay, so thank you so much for doing this. You were just the best. It's really kind. And I wasn't expecting you to say yes. I was just like, maybe we'll just try this. Um, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm more impressed that you actually found me. That, that, that's really, really interesting. <laughs> do, you, do you want to know something weird? When I reverse image searched your photo. He does not need to know this story. I do not know why I'm telling it. Google was like, did you mean muscles? What? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I'm giggling. First of all, did you realize that you were on Bumble? Uh, yes, I'm aware that I'm on Bumble. I'd say I'm a pretty active user on it. Is Bumble your favorite of the apps? Uh, yes, it is. Interesting. Well, I bet you're having a really great experience because uh, I don't know if you realize this, but... Women in the New York City area are seeing your profile really frequently, or specifically me. I probably see your photo once a week. Okay, that is definitely an exaggeration. I think I probably saw him about five times over the course of two months. Are you the only one that you know this is, this is happening to, or are there other women that are seeing me a lot? How would I know that? I guess I just assumed that my experience couldn't be that unique. Hmm. Maybe we're neighbors? Is that possible? See, yeah, I mean, it's a complete black box what they're doing with their ranking algorithm. I'm sure there's a bunch of factors that go into it. I mean, one of them definitely is proximity, but it might be even, like, closer proximity. It may be pulling data from our Facebook accounts. It might know that we have, like, overlapping interests or social circle or the fact that we both live in Brooklyn. I think you, you live in Brooklyn, right? Yeah. Hmm. See, I don't think I think the reason I'm seeing you isn't because they know something special about me. I think the reason that I'm seeing you is because they don't know enough about me and they just want to tell me how. Sorry, this is embarrassing to say, but they're just trying to tell me that their users are attractive and there's something about you. Maybe maybe. Sorry, it's so embarrassing. (laughs) dying um but there's something about you that makes you appear really high in the attractiveness rankings Hmm. you know see i think i'm seeing like the opposite for me like i do not get any repeats that's so weird well there's probably you're probably so flooded with new girls who are seeing you so frequently that you wouldn't get a repeat Right. Because all because your top results are going to be girls who have indicated that they like you. So you're probably seeing lots of fresh faces. I guess that could be it. Yeah. Do you feel served by how the recommendation algorithm is working? Do you feel good about the idea that you're probably being seen by more people than normal looking dudes? Or is it a nightmare? I think it's great if I'm being seen by, by more women. As far as, like, is it working for me? I'd say, like, yes and no. It definitely comes in waves. And also, like, I'm, like, I'm very selective on there. I don't swipe right that much at all. So I'm actually not getting, like, a ton of matches. But the matches I do get, I'm, like, very likely to respond. Maybe that factors into some of the boosting uh, as well. Like, maybe that's why I'm ranked so high is they're kind of boosting me based on the behavior of, like, not constantly swiping right and also being, like, very responsive. And Mike is someone who cares about his online dating profile. I've actually 
spent a good amount of time like picking out like good pictures and like putting them in a, in a good order. I think that takes a lot of work. And I think a lot of people aren't very good at even knowing what's a good photo of them. Seriously, talk to your friends, show them your photos, get feedback, and then like tweak it. It definitely helps. And this could be the real reason why the app works for him so well. He's what you'd call a power user. He filled out all the required fields. He did it well. He swipes selectively. He always replies. But like it comes in, in waves. Like there'll be, there'll be one, one or two weeks where I'm like, it's hard, it's hard to talk about this without like sounding like shallow, but like without seeing <laughs> like quite, like a high amount of intriguing women to swipe right on. They'll go through, I'll go through like one or two weeks where I'm not seeing like anything. Uh, and I'm not getting matches, obviously, because I'm not swiping right. And then all of a sudden they'll change one day and it's like they almost reset something. And now I'm getting a bunch of matches that are kind of hard to keep up with. So if it was just a little more spread out, I think it would be a lot better. But during those times where it is working well, it, I think it does work pretty well for me. So he's just really good at Bumble, but he still has one complaint. I think I'm pretty good at with like an opening line. And it seems like a lot of women kind of struggle with that a little bit. So it's, it's, a, it's a little hard to get the ball rolling sometimes. Wait, we're bad but, at opening lines. What kind of opening lines do you get? Oh, uh, I... I get a lot of just hey. Uh. I call it like the hey game, where like they're basically trying to turn it back into Tinder. So it looks like shoot out hey, and then th- then I'm expected to like come up with a with a catchy line myself. I didn't know I could get away with just saying hey. <laughs> now I can yeah, try it that. It doesn't work. It it doesn't work. Really? <laughs> <sighs> no. If I see if I see it just a hey, I'm just like, well, why? Why? Why even? Why are you even here? Could you just try for five seconds? Yeah. Yeah. So this is actually a great answer to my question. It's like, why are you showing up top of my results? It might not just be that you're a good looking guy with a cool job sitting on a balcony with muscles. I think it could be that you're just really good at Bumble, that you that you're doing it right and you're using it on a regular basis and you're responding to women. And it just seems like they made you a model citizen. Yeah, maybe that's the answer right there. Maybe we just solved it. Thank you. <laughs> End of episode. It's over. Great. Um, uh, cool. Well, good luck. Well, thanks. Um, I feel like I should. For, uh, yeah. We're not a match, right? A fixed... What was that? Nothing. N- nothing. I feel like I should ask you out now because I've been making this into a big thing, but I don't know for a match. I don't know. I don't know anything about you other than Bumble kept sending me your way, but I feel like I'm supposed to ask you out now. Really? Um, well. You can say no. You really can. Just because I, I will still give you a very flattering edit. Um, you know what? Yeah. It's a Yes. At this moment, my heart's making this sound. And it's kind of like the noise that all the teen girls made when they saw the Beatles on the Ed Sullivan show. But instead, this came out of my mouth. Oh, Mike, this is the best. I forgive you for having my ex-boyfriend's name already. 
Uh, all right. Well, um, so if there's any confusion about whether or not I'm a dating expert, please remember this moment when I just asked out one of the best looking men in New York. He said yes. And then I totally fumbled. The sound he made is generous, considering how awkward I just made everything. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, um. Let's uh, figure it out sometime. Yeah, I'll text you. Okay. The story isn't over yet. You see, Mike and I are breaking one of the most important rules you can have with online dating. We haven't met, but we're texting. And over text is where I've learned that not only is he good-looking and smart, but he's also funny... And he loves thinking about dating apps the way I do. And we've made two important discoveries. Here's the first. Remember how I used Google to look up his photo? I uploaded it, and then Google asked me, did you mean muscles? Mike tried the exact same experiment. And Google said, did you mean man? He thought I made up the whole muscles thing. Or I have a way pervier browser history. We compared in incognito mode. It still said, muscles for me, man for him. And then we realized that I was working with my screenshot from Bumble, and he was working with the actual photo. It was the digital paraphernalia, the arrow in the corner, the red dots. That's what made Google see him as a piece of meat. Which is a lovely metaphor for online dating. We could just end right there. But then we made another discovery. In my correspondence with Bumble, I started to tell them all about Mike. I told them what he looks like in a t-shirt. I told them about the balcony. But mostly, I told them about how often I used to see him on their app. This is what Bumble told me. They said, This is a direct function of Mike deleting and recreating his profile multiple times. We're currently working on a product solution that'll eliminate that. So I texted Mike, did you delete and recreate your Bumble profile a few months ago? He said, yeah, for a week. And then I looked closer at that screenshot, and I noticed something that is embarrassing to admit here. There wasn't any Bumble yellow. The dots were red. This is from Tinder. You see, the moments when I'm swiping aren't my smartest. I'm usually half asleep or in line at the grocery store, sitting in my towel on the couch after a shower. There is no way of actually keeping track of when I saw him on what app. Plus, there's this thing that can happen in any city. It can start to feel like a small town, and you'll see the same perpetually single people over and over again. So I texted Mike, did you delete and recreate your Tinder profile also around that time? Definitely. He likes Bumble better. He says he probably deleted Tinder multiple times. So if Bumble's right, and the user will see with fresh eyes if you delete and reactivate your profile, this is the ultimate dating tip for single people everywhere. If you want more eyes on your Bumble profile, go ahead and delete it and reactivate it. I texted Mike. You now have the option to retract your offer to go on a date with me. My whole premise for having you on the show was wrong. 
Plus, Bumble never had a divine hand in this. They were never repeatedly suggesting that we date. He wrote back, Who cares about Bumble divinity? I'm glad you connected with me the old-fashioned way. By meticulously internet-stalking me and sending me a random message on Facebook. So the date's still on. Our show's produced by me, Andrea Salenzi, with Lindsay Cradwell. Our editor is Hillary Frank. I was just on our show, so welcome, longest, shortest time listeners. We have a few episodes to recommend for you on our website. Start at yyradio.com. Our artwork changes every week, thanks to Teddy Blanks at Chips.NYC. Our theme music is by Andy Miklas, Casey Holford, Lee Rosphere. We also used a Creative Commons track by Uncle Bibby today. It's available on the Free Music Archive. Special thanks to Mia Lobel and Andy Bowers at Panoply. We're taking next week off. There won't be a new show. We'll be back the week after that with some exciting new stuff, some good news. Plus, I have a date to get ready for. All right, yeah, we'll just uh, edit it so I sound like normal and kind of cool, and uh, I think that'd be great. And if if I don't, uh, the date's off? Uh, Probably, yeah. (laughs) Yeah.